We'll begin reading in verse number 6 of chapter number 1. Very familiar passage of Scripture and story. The Bible says this, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth. That's a very unique phrase that we find in our King James Bible. It's not mentioned uh, far too frequently. So I want to uh, bring your attention to that in just a moment. Let's continue reading. From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, that Job, fear God for naught. Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? And thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. With the help of the Lord, for the next couple moments, I want to preach on this thought. Thou shalt have wars. Thou shalt have wars. Now some of y'all are staring at me like a calf staring at a new gate, amen? I know that's an odd title, but I promise you, if you just trust me, that'll make sense once we get to where we're heading this morning. Thou shalt have wars. We look to Job chapter number 1, and we find that this is a very unique passage of Scripture as it gives us a glimpse into uh, the background of what uh, the spiritual warfare that we face day in and day out is actually like, amen? Uh, this is one of the only glimpses in the King James Bible of this very feat. And it's so unique, we see that Satan is having this interaction, this, uh, this conversation with God Almighty, and he's talking about Job, and he's accusing Job before God. We know this morning it should not be any news to you uh, to find out that we are still living in a day of spiritual battles and spiritual warfare, amen. And we see here that in verse number 7 where uh, the Bible says that Satan answers the Lord and he says that he's been going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it, we find that this is Satan's domain. We know that the Bible says this about the devil. It says that he is the prince of the power of the air. Matter of fact, what does the Apostle Paul say in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 12? He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against each other, although we get bogged down on that too many times, preacher. I don't got enough time to deal with that. We ought not be fighting against flesh and blood. The Apostle Paul said, uh, for the Christians, for the church of the living God, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we fight and we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is who we fight and that's the battle that rages before us day in and day out. And here in Job chapter number one, we're given a brief glimpse into Satan's domain. 
He has power. He has jurisdiction. This is where his authority lies. See, he doesn't own the hills and he doesn't own the earth, but he does own the air. He's the prince of the power of the air. So he has power and he has a war that he is fighting against God's people. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 13 says this, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. What that goes to tell me this morning is this the enemy is doing their part amen hey anytime you turn on the news all you got to do is sit down for five seconds and you'll come to the conclusion that the enemy is doing a real good job at his part so I want to ask you this this morning church are we doing our part Hey, they're waxing worse and worse and they're building up more deception and they're running to that deception like a dog runs to its own vomit. They are doing their job. But are we clinging to the word of God and allowing it to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path? Are we waxing more and more in the Holy Ghost and being dependent on his guidance? Oh, they're doing their job. But are we doing our job? See, we can't win this fight with mathematics. We can't win this fight with science. We can't win this fight with uh, philosophy. We can't win this fight with statistics. We can't win this fight with a, a great army or big nuclear warheads. The only way that we can win this fight is if we get yoked up hand in hand with Jesus and live in the victory that he has already purchased for us. So this is Satan's domain that we're taking a gander at here this morning. It's no coincidence that your Bible says that he's the prince of the power of the air and what is one of the greatest tools that uh, the world has ever seen for mass communication. It's uh, a little phone, a little box that's more powerful than the NASA had, the computers that NASA had whenever they sent a man on the moon. That's how powerful your iPhone or your Android is. And it's no coincidence, Brother Josh, I don't understand it. They tell me that if you take a picture and send it to somebody else, that it goes somewhere called a cloud. You all try to explain that one to me because that goes over my head, amen? But it's no coincidence. The Bible done told us he's the prince of the power of the air. Now, I don't want to get too crazy this morning or hop out in left field, but where do clouds abide? The air. The prince of the power of the air, and it, it seems like everybody we just glued to a television screen or a cell phone screen that's hooked up to something that's running through the air. Hey, the, these are the last days. And everybody keeps on telling me, they say, preacher, aren't you getting worried? Aren't you getting a little afraid? Aren't you getting a little upset? No. Hey, I've done read the back of the book. Everybody tries to tell me it's all falling apart. But honey, I'm thankful this morning. It's just falling into place. Amen. Hey, we see that he has domain. He's got rule. He's got reign. He's got jurisdiction. He has authority. And there's some people that even serve him and call him master and Lord. Oh, we know that there's some people uh, that live in our very nation and may attend the very same church that we attend uh, that serve their daddy, the
the devil, amen. And that's why we're in the worst shape that our country has ever been because we have so many Christians uh, and so many uh, lost people that just think that it's okay and we need to accept it. We need to tolerate it. We need to be okay with that and let them rub shot. Sin is still sin. Wrong is still wrong. Right is still right. We have a fight and we cannot quit. So we see his domain. I didn't mean to run off on all that, amen. We see his domain. The Bible says this. says it like this in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse number 11. It says, lest Satan should get advantage of us if we are not ignorant of his devices. Watch it now. If we're not ignorant of his devices. You say, Brother Chandler, why are so many churches closing the doors? Why are so many preachers dipping their collars and, and running and retreating on God? Why do we have a generation after generation of young people that have become lethargic to the things of God? It is because we have raised young people and we have raised adults now that have become ignorant to Satan's devices. We're ignorant. Oh, but it's been the same tactic. It's been the same battle plan. It's been the same strategy ever since Genesis chapter number 3. What did he do in Genesis 3 to Eve? The Bible says this, that he says, this is the very words of Satan. He says, yea, hath God said. Oh, see, what the devil wants to do first and foremost is sow that seed of doubt in your heart. If you begin to doubt the Word of God, you begin to doubt His authority, you begin to doubt His supremacy, you begin to doubt His divinity, and then everything about your faith will crumble right before your face. He wants to sow that seed of doubt in your heart, and that will give Him a pathway victory it's always been the same oh and it's not changed what's changed we become ignorant his devices and we see that people have split hell wide open they split hell wide open praying a prayer they split hell wide open uh, calling themselves Christians. They split hell wide open singing along to the Gaithers. They split hell wide open uh, quoting scripture after scripture. They split hell wide open being faithful to their church and loving their pastor. They split hell wide open no matter how much money they gave in the offering plate. They split hell wide open simply because they doubted the word of God. They came up with the conclusion, well, I don't know if I can take him at his word. I don't know if I can fully trust him to save me to the uttermost. I think I might have to do a little bit myself. I think I might have to try to carry this load on my own. I don't know if I can take him at my word. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a good way to spend all of eternity in a devil's hell. Won't you give your heart to Jesus and fully trust him? We see that we're going to fall lest we are not ignorant of his devices. Don't be ignorant. And I know this preaching it ain't popular today, but your preacher's agging me on, amen. But let me just, I, I want to say this. I think it would be good, Brother Tom, if the next time y'all had a youth service, you just go ahead and preach, amen. And praise the Lord. I, I could tell he was itching, amen. Pray, I love it. I love to see it. And I, I'm thankful for the young people. I'm thankful for you parents that are rearing your kids in God's house. What a blessing that is. 
Oh, I, I, love, I love whenever I go into a church and I see the Barbie dolls and I, I see, I can hear the monster trucks jumping ramps behind my head and I can hear them ninja turtles and action figures fist fighting. I love it, amen. Hey, what does Proverbs 14 say? It says, where there are no oxen, the crib is clean. Hey, whenever I come into church and I step on some Legos and I, I hear these babies cry, that don't bother me none. Hey, that's a sign of a thriving, living church. Amen. Hey, we can't be ignorant to his devices. He would love for you to get sour over that. He would love for you to get bitter and say, well, don't they know that we can just take them back there out in the vestibule and throw them in a nursery and that'll be all? No, bring them in for preaching, bless God. Amen. Don't be ignorant of his devices this morning. So we see Satan's domain, but quickly I also want to look at Satan's dispute. Satan's dispute in verse number 9. Watch your Bible now. The Bible says, Doth Job fear God for not? This is Satan's words. Doth Job fear God for not? Oh, what a spit to the face of God this is. He's trying to accuse God now. And he's saying this, God, don't you understand? They don't love you for who you are. Oh, but Job simply loves you because of what you've done. This is Satan's dispute. And Satan told God, nobody loves you. And he's ready to tear you down before thrice holy God. He's ready to ruin your testimony. He's ready and waiting, the Bible says, that he's seeking as a roaring lion on whom he may devour. He's ready to kill. He's ready to steal. He's ready to destroy. He's waiting for that moment of entry. Once you give him that entryway through your eye gate and your ear gate, that's only two gates to your heart, through the eyes and through the ears, once he gets that pathway of entry, we see that he's ready with his dispute. And sure enough, there will come a day when Satan sends every hellhound your way to nip at your heels and to tell you you're no good and tell you that God's done forsaken you now. And that he, even though he's done in the past, he's not going to make a way for you right now in, in the present or in the future. And he's trying to get you to quit. He's trying to get you to get discouraged and just throw in the towel and forsake God and this fight that we have been enlisted in as his children. That's what he wants and that's his goal and that's his purpose. And there's going to come a day when he tries to ruin your testimony. I've seen it. Time after time, I go into churches week after week where there's only five or ten people that meet, and that's all right with me. I'll preach the same way anywhere, amen. I love it. I love preaching. I love an opportunity to preach, and I hope you can tell this morning that I just love preaching, amen. It don't bother me about that, but what breaks my heart this morning is they have no business being in that shape, but if we really got honest about ourselves, the only reason that their church is dead, the only reason that they're struggling and they're going under is because they had a body of people that gathered one evening and said I think we ought to have red shingles and the other side I said I think we ought to have black shingles now a lot of people say that as a joke but I've seen it with my own eyes and I've witnessed what the devil can do and how he can get in and sow discord among the brethren and tear us apart and tear us down to a place of discouragement where we cannot be used by the hands of God he is ready with a dispute in your life I don't know why it seems like that we're we're so nonchalant when it comes to our enemy and our adversary sir ma'am don't you think for one moment that the devil doesn't have his finger on your pulse. 
Don't you think for one moment that he doesn't know those places and, and those uh, items in your life that bring insecurity your way? Don't you think for one moment that he isn't aware of those sins that you still cling on to in private and those areas of stumbling and those moments of weakness? Oh, he knows. There's no doubt about it. And he's ready to bring it to a dispute this morning. There's coming a day where he's going to try to do that and he's just waiting for the moment to bring your name up and get in your ear and tell you that you're no good and tell you that you're just going to fail God. And you say, Brother Chandler, how do you even know this? And where do you get that from? Well, I'm glad you asked. Amen. The Bible over in Matthew chapter number 4 gives us the perfect example of temptation. What's happening in Matthew chapter number 4? The Bible says this, that Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, was led by the Spirit to Satan himself. And then he allows the devil to lead him to three places of temptation. We know that this is right after the Lord has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Could you imagine 40 days and 40 nights without any nutrition, any food, anything that could give you some sort of energy? I'll just be honest this morning. I have a hard time going 40 minutes without thinking about food. Amen. I'm trying to move quick because my mom's got some chicken and dumplings on the stove. Bless God. Amen. 40 days and 40 nights. Let's just be honest. That'd be hard. And what's the first thing that the devil tempts our Lord with? He says, look at all the stones. If you truly are who you say you are, if you be the Son of God, turn every stone into bread. Turn every rock into a cat head biscuit. Come on now, y'all. I know y'all ain't that dignified, amen. That'd be hard for me. I know that'd be hard for some of y'all. We see that Jesus responds, thou shalt not live by bread alone. So we see that he is led to this point. Maybe you're asking, why Why did he even do this? Why did he let the devil tempt him? He's led to this point simply to give us the perfect example of how to respond in moments of weakness and moments of temptation. We see that Satan will attack you when you are alone. See, you waited until Jesus was separated from civilization, until he was removed from his disciples. He didn't have no multitudes following him around. He didn't have anybody begging for a miracle. He didn't have any family members there to come help him in a time of need or trouble. But Satan waited and attacked him when he was alone. Mom, Dad, you better guard yourself when you're alone, that's when the devil's going to attack. Oh, when you've got everything taken care of, the kids are tucked and put in the bed, and uh, you've already packed your lunch for work tomorrow, you laid your clothes out and got everything ready to go, and then you sit down in that lazy boy. You better guard yourself when you're alone. Young person, you better guard yourself when you're alone. Oh, I've seen it with my own eyes what the devil can do when a young person opens himself up to temptation when they're alone. Oh, when you've done all your chores, you've listened to mom and dad, you did your homework, you brushed your teeth, 
you snuggle up in bed and you grab onto a phone or a laptop or an iPad or a television remote. Young person, guard yourself when you're alone. That's what the devil likes to attack. Oh, we see that he attacks when you're alone. He attacks when you're vulnerable. No, it's not fair. Nobody ever told the devil to be fair. He attacks when you're vulnerable. 40 days without food. What's the first thing that he brings up? Food. He attacks those vulnerabilities. I said a moment ago, don't you think for one second that the devil isn't behind those moments of vulnerability, those areas of weakness, don't you think for one second that he doesn't know about it? What happens time after I see it all the time. We get in this family feud. We, we, our grandpa dies and he's willed us half the property and our cousin rips us out of the whole deal and we drive ourselves over there and get all red and blue in the face. Some of y'all laughing, but I've seen it before, Amen. They get red and blue in the face and point their finger right in their nose and say, don't you know who I am? Don't you know that this is mine? Don't you know what you're doing is wrong? And just tear them up, chew them up, and spit them out. And they get back in their car and peel off and go back to the home place with that family that's just been imploded right before their face. Uh, they're left to pick up the pieces. And what is it that they say, well, doesn't so-and-so go down to Roxalana? Aren't they always telling me about how God saved them and how God sustained them? Aren't they always trying to give me some Bible verses of encouragement and a witness to me and tell me I need to get in church and give my heart to Jesus? If that's what that's like, I don't know if I want anything to do with it. Hey, then moments of vulnerability, those areas of weakness where somebody's done you wrong, we have an enemy that is behind it, that is waiting to attack you in your vulnerability. He attacks when you're alone. He attacks when you're vulnerable. He attacks your very walk with God. He attacks your very walk with God. We see that the next thing he does is he takes him to a high point on the mountaintop there. And he says, if thou be the son of God, you know the word. You can't break a bone in your body. Won't you jump down? Your God, your father will send a band of angels to rescue you. He says, for it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. We see that he begins to attack his very walk with God. You better guard your walk with God. Don't you dare let anything get in the way of your Bible reading, your studying, and your praying. Amen. If the only time you get anything from the Word of God is on a Sunday and a Wednesday, shame on you. Amen. Hey, that's good preaching. Guard yourself. If y'all, I'll shout myself on and get the amens I want. Amen. He attacks your walk with God. He attacks your pain. He wants to ruin your peace. He wants to rob you of your prayer. He wants to steal your praise. He wants to absolutely cap your potential. Who you could be for God. He never wants to see you get there. We see that Satan truly does have a dispute with every born again Bible believing Christian. But now we see Satan's deeds. Satan's deeds. All that he hath is in thy power. This is verse number 12. Now, I find it very interesting. What was Satan's request? 
He says, won't you take your hand and mess Job up? Won't you get in Job's life and interfere everything? So even Satan himself knew that he didn't have as much power as God did. Oh, and then we find that God says, no. Hey, Satan, all that he hath is in thy power. All that he hath is in thy power. To Satan's deeds here. I'm thankful. What I get from that this morning is this. I, I've told you I wanted to encourage you. I promise you I'm going to try to in a moment. Amen. Just had to beat you up there for a moment. We see that a God in heaven, a thrice holy God that is mindful of you this morning will not allow the devil to attack you and bring you down unless God Almighty has deemed it necessary for his own glory. Thank God for that. Amen. Any born-again Bible-believing Christian cannot be touched by the hand of the enemy unless God has authorized it. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Oh, we see his deeds here. He's got power. He can mess you up. And I've seen it time and time again. I've seen him absolutely destroy and rip families apart. I've seen him blow up youth groups and get them out of church. I've watched him rip preachers out of the ministry. And there's some of them that we grew up with that were called under the same preacher. We were called from sin out of the same church we were sent out of. And some of them aren't even in the ministry anymore. And some of them are now in prison because of their decisions in moments of weakness and vulnerability. They let the devil in. He's got power. I've watched him destroy and attack churches all over our state and all over the East Coast. He has power. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 16. It talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's the strategy of Satan. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. What's the lust of the eyes? What is that? That's that sensual satisfaction. That's when we covet, right? That's what the lust of the eyes are. When we covet and lust after things. Now, I've got to be honest, driving over here, I looked over and I, I saw one of them brand new Dodge Diesel Cummings. Amen. Y'all just pray for the preacher this morning. The Lord's been good to me, and I, I drive a, a 2022 Chevy Colorado. That thing is sweet. I love it. Oh, but I have moments of weakness, Brother Josh, where I look over and I see one of them new Dodge Diesel Cummings, and I think to myself, my Lord, what I would give for something like that. Man, if the church would just level me a little bit more. Amen. Can I get a witness, Brother Mitch? Amen. Praise the Lord. We have moments of weakness, that's that coveting, right? That's the lust of the eyes. What's the lust of the flesh? That's whenever we act on that covetousness. Turn that covetousness into carnality. The lust of the flesh, you get yourself in a real big mess with the lust of the flesh. Then we see the pride of life, what is that? That pride of life, that's, that's that spirit, that attitude that tries to wake you up in the morning and as you fill your nostrils full of air, you say, man, I've earned all of this. You walk into the workplace, into your office, into your post and you're getting ready for the day and you say, man, 
I don't think my boss knows just how good I am. I've earned all of this. And I'm, I'm just the best thing since sliced bread. That's that pride of life, amen. I think I, I've earned and deserve all that I have. See, a preacher, if he's not careful, if I'm not careful, I'll, let's just be honest, if I'm not careful looking at an outline like this, I'll think to myself, hmm, I don't know if the Lord truly knows just how good this one is. I mean, this is going to absolutely bring revival all across this land. That's that pride of life. We got to be honest, amen. We see the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's the strategy of Satan, and he will use these tools and devices to sow his deeds in your heart. What's he trying to do? He's trying to discourage you. He's trying to darken you. He's trying to discord you. He's trying to distress you. But even in the midst of all those difficulties, I'm thankful this morning that I can still report he cannot defeat you, amen. Hey, what I'm trying to say is this. The demons aren't in control. The devils are not in control. The doubters are not in control. Honey, I know it feels like it every now and again, but the Democrats aren't even in control, amen. My God is still in control this morning. That's free. I thought I would just throw that in there, amen. That's pretty good. Hey, that's all introduction. I want you to turn over now. Some of y'all are getting ready to have a heart attack. Turn over now to 2 Chronicles 16. 2 Chronicles 16. So we've looked at Satan's domain. We've looked at his dispute, and we've looked at his deeds. But now I want to look at Satan's demise. Amen. Satan's demise in 2 Chronicles 16. I love this text. We find here just a little bit of context that this is uh, when King Asa is beginning to clean up the kingdom. He's cleaning up the kingdom of Judah and all, getting rid of all of the carnality and all the paganism, all this uh, wickedness, and, and he's cleaning everything up, and he's pretty much preaching to him, preaching to him while he's doing it. And this is what he says near the end of his little sermon at verse number 9. He says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. This is Satan's demise. Far too often we give too much credit to our adversary instead of focusing on our advocate. I'm pleased to report to you this morning that God's eyes are on Satan's demise. Amen. Now I said a moment ago as we got started uh, there in Job chapter number one that that little phrase going to and fro is very unique in your King James Bible. We do not find it too often 
And when we do come across it, it is very rare that we see it on this fashion. And I don't think that it's a coincidence this morning that when a believer grabs their King James Bible, before they will ever come to Job chapter number 1, they will have to look at 2 Chronicles 16. What I'm trying to say is this, before the devil even knew who you were, before he ever had your number, before he ever tried to fight you, before he ever tried to steal your joy or sow discord or discouragement on your way, I'm thankful that there's a God in heaven that was able to look through the portals of glory and see my helpless estate and say, I will send my only begotten just for him. My eyes are on him. Oh, I'm thankful for that truth this morning. You say, Brother Chandler, I don't know. How's that supposed to help me? How's that supposed to do something for me? Will you rest assured this morning? Let's just get to where the rubber meets the road. You rest assured this morning that that old accuser of the brethren, that old dragon, uh, the devil himself, there will come a day when he accuses you before a thrice holy God. He'll say something along the lines of this. Oh God, don't you know that Chandler O'Brien, he's no good. He's good for nothing. He's low down. I mean, he's a liar. He's a cheat. He lusts. He fails. He doubts you day in and day out. Uh, Don't you know that he's the very one that killed your son on the cross of Calvary? Oh, but then my adversary speaks up and says, Satan, I don't know what you're talking about. Whenever you bring all these sins upon him and begin to accuse him of all these wrongdoings and all these shortcomings, anytime I look at him, all I see is my blood. All I see is my precious blood that redeemed him from all this wickedness and then God the Father speaks up and he says I believe Jesus I believe Jesus my eyes are on this one he is mine oh I'm thankful this morning that the devil cannot rob you of what the joy of Jesus can give you oh praise the Lord for this truth what I'm trying to say is this You may be going through a valley. You may be in the middle of a storm. I don't know the burdens that are weighing you down. I don't know the thoughts that are bogging your mind in uh, the middle of the night and in those weak and lonely hours. But you rest assured this morning. Oh, I'm thankful to report that there's a God in heaven that is mindful of you. The Bible says it this way, that the psalmist David, he was so confounded by this thought. He says, what is man over in Psalms 8? What is man that thou art mindful of him? If God the Father thought enough of the sparrows this morning to wake them up and put a new song in their belly and then begin to stir them worms that they were fixing to feast on, what makes you think that he's going to forget gets you where you're at? What makes you think that he's not able and he's not strong enough to carry you through yet again? Oh, he is able this morning. He is able and he is true. We find here too often times we focus on our adversary instead of our advocate. So I say to you this morning, I want to submit this to you as a common practice that we ought to adopt. From here out until the Lord comes and takes us home, every time that things don't go our way, every time when things begin to fail, 
every time when turmoil and difficulty begins to grow and rear its ugly head in our life, it is our job as the children of God to quit focusing on these demons that we're fighting. Don't tell me about the devil. Don't tell me about that darkness and that discouragement that's beset you. I don't want to hear about all these difficulties and that little bit of discord down in your heart. Don't begin to tell me about that discouragement and that doubt that's creeping in. Won't you just go ahead and clear yourself off a spot and tell others this morning about the love and the mercy and the goodness and the grace of God that was fixed on you before the devil even knew who you were. His eyes are on you. And they run to and fro. Thou shalt have wars. We got wars. We got battles. There's no doubt about that. That's not up for debate. That's not up for dispute this morning. We know we have wars. Oh, but bless God, I'm on the winning side, amen? <laughs> no matter what we face, no matter what comes our way, his eyes are on us, amen? Thank the Lord for that. Heavenly Father, God, as I come before you this morning, I ask you, God, that you would touch us now. Lord, I pray that you would allow the sweet Holy Ghost to do your work, Lord, that you would begin to minister to the hearts of your people. Oh, God, I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, I pray that you would challenge them. I pray, God, that you would convict them, Lord, to bring them to a place of altercation where they would be drawn to change, that they would grow closer to you now more than they ever have before. God, I pray that you would move in Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle, and that you would raise some soldiers that are willing to endure hardship in these final days. Oh God, I pray that you would allow this church, allow these people uh, to be a lighthouse into this dark and dying world. Oh God, that we would lock shields with one another and that we would stand firm and be faithful and remain fervent until you come. Oh God, allow us to cling to the promises that we've heard this morning. Oh God, I pray that you would allow us to be reminded in moments of weakness and moments of difficulty when we face darkness and despair that your eyes are still on us and we are not in this thing alone so God we pray that you would go before us that you would go behind us and then you would walk hand in hand with us that we would be able to remain fervent and faithful until you come now Lord I also want to pray for any loss that's among us this morning God I pray that you would allow the sweet Holy Ghost to sit in their lap and begin to show them and reveal them their sinful, wicked estate. God, I pray that you would bring them to the knowledge and understanding that they are lost and that they are in need of a Savior before it's eternally too late. Oh, God, I pray that you would convict them and give them the opportunity, Lord, to come this morning to this old-fashioned altar. God, that they would put themselves to the side and that they would get their hearts right and repent before you today. Oh, God, save their soul. We ask these things. Be with Pastor Price, Lord. Touch him. God, I pray that you would strengthen him. Oh, God, give him a second win. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would help him to stand, Lord, for many more years to come. 
God, we ask all these things in the precious, holy, sweet name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen and amen. If the Holy Ghost is dealing with your heart, the altar is open, the service is yours. You mind the Lord this morning. As they sing a song of invitation, preacher, you come. <laughs>